Welcome back to another episode of the SEM podcast. Jack Bryce here, and today we're joined by Devin Fisher. How you doing, Devin? Good. Probably most people will know you as Eminem Fisher from the mission. I had I had that name for a while, yeah. Yeah. So excellent. And you and you still look like Eminem Fisher. I mean, he's even got the beard now too. So who's yeah, keeping up yeah. with who? I don't know. He's following me. All right. Well, Devin, start us off with how you got your call. If there's any story leading up to it or just finding out you're going to Scotland, what that was like. Yeah, no. First, thanks for having me on. This is uh, this is pretty new to, uh, for me, new experience, and it's pretty great what you guys are doing. I know it takes a lot of time, and it's pretty neat to have these uh, podcasts. So I've, I've enjoyed listening to several of the missionaries I served around. But yeah, I, you know, uh, grew up in uh, Utah, Kaysville, Utah, very active area. And I always knew I wanted to go on a mission. Um, it really was never a question of if I would go as much as just I knew I was going to go. And I wish I could say I was more prepared for it. Um, but just being, you know, like I said, just growing up in, a, in an active area, it was just something that was kind of expected of you. And I always wanted to do it. I, my, my father served a mission, but I only had two older sisters and they didn't serve. So uh, as far as how the mission works, that was all new to me. And growing up like in Kaysville, we didn't have a lot of missionaries in the area because everybody was so active. So I really had no experience yeah. with missionaries which was kind of you know interesting, but so yeah, I, I, I wanted to go on a mission as soon as I could after high school. Uh, I got my papers turned in. Um, my stake president at the time actually worked uh, in Salt Lake at the church office building. And he knew when the, the mission calls would be going out to the, uh, to the young men in the, in the stake. So it was pretty much guaranteed on a certain Wednesday, he would be hand delivering that call to our, our house. So that was pretty neat to know, you know, when that was coming. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't do any big production or anything. I had my family there, opened up the call, just like everybody else, Scotland, Edinburgh mission. Um, and I knew right then and there, it was just like, that's where I was supposed to go. Like I, I knew I wanted to go foreign and, um, when I, when I saw Scotland, it was just like, that's where my ancestors are from. I mean, I've watched Braveheart. I mean, this is going to be the best mission, right? Cool. Yeah. And what was the timing of that thing? So I think, I think this was probably in about October, October of 2004, because I left January, you know, beginning of January, right after Christmas, 2005. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so yeah, for those of you listening, Matt or Devin was in uh, Zach's group for the MTC. So Zach will be joining us here, and and we'll talk about that. But so yeah, kind of just kind of a funny story there. So uh, Zach had some connection in my stake. I think his mom had a, a brother or somebody that was in my home stake and they found out that I was going to Scotland 
And Zach's mom contacted my mom and we actually met each other right before we left on our missions. Uh, he drove up to my house and, you know, it was pretty awkward because we didn't know each other, but yeah. we had the same mission call and we were leaving at the same time. So that was kind of nice to know that, you know, somebody was familiar. Yeah. But every little bit helps, right? Yeah, for sure. Cool. So, so take us now to, I guess, January, 2007, got home. What you've been up to for the last almost 20 years. Yeah. What a, what a ride. Um, well, the last, the last little part of my mission, I knew I wanted to return home and go to school. And so I did register for uh, Weber state university before I even got home. I think we got home like January 5th, first week of January, we, we got home. And I started my first semester like two days later. And it was just like general, general classes and things like that. So I, I jumped right into it, which is great. Um, with the culture shock and everything from being home from the mission, it was just like you had to stay busy. Yeah. And uh, getting right back into school and, and work was, you know, was really good for me. But yeah, I did the whole university thing. I, I graduated with a degree in construction management. Um, that would have been like 2011 when I actually graduated. Um, great was, time for construction. Great time. It was just picking back up. But that's that's part of the reason why I did that degree was, you know, things were slow at that time. It was a good time to, to get in there. Um, I grew up working construction. My father's a general contractor. So I, I always knew I wanted to be in that industry. And so if I could get a degree in that and still work in that, you know, that industry, I just thought that was, that, that was my calling in life. So I, I got my construction degree, um, about a, about three months after I got from my mission, I did meet, um, my now wife in uh, the singles ward. Um, we dated for about a year before we got married. So we were married about a year after I got home from my mission, which was fairly quick. But when I first met her, she just got out of a relationship and really wasn't interested, but I just kept pursuing it. And eventually she uh, let me take her out. And, you know, we've now got uh, four kids. My oldest is 14 years old and my youngest is eight. And I've got three girls and a boy. Okay. So your youngest is a boy? That is, yep. So we had the boy at the end, and I've got enough kids now. <laughs> Good deal. That's great. And so you're doing that now, construction? and I am. Yeah, I work for a home builder uh, here locally, and we, we build uh, houses and uh, townhomes from St. George to uh, North Ogden. So we're across the state. Uh, I've been, you know, it's a, been involved in, in this industry for forever. So yeah, it's kind of kind of just fell naturally into my my career path, and it's been good. Great. And you live in Kaysville? No, I live in West Point, um, which is just north of Kaysville. So a little more of a farming community, not quite as busy. Uh, it's actually not too far from Animal Island. Cool. Very good. All right. Well, 
Take us back to the mission. We'll skip the MTC right now. So you start when when you got to Scotland. I was in the group that met you at the mission home, and I trained Zach. But start yeah. us there. Where who were you assigned to, and and where did you go? And we'll just we'll go from there. All right. Yeah. So I I remember being in the mission home and being assigned. You know my my training companion. Um. And. Uh, it was Elder Clausen. So I watched his podcast and he hasn't changed a bit. I mean, he's yeah. I mean, about just a full of energy, right? I mean, physically and mentally, the guy was just, he was just ready to go. And I remember being up in that, I think it was the conference room. I don't know what we called that, that larger room upstairs. Yeah, the upstairs office area. Yeah. But I remember they they called my name up. I met, I met Elder Clausen and I think it was a map behind us. And then they said where, where we were going to serve. And you kind of pointed to where you were going to go. And they, they said, we we're going to serve in the Govan area. So it was in Glasgow. And I remember the room kind of went silent when they announced that where we were going. And I, I don't know if Elder Plus knew at that time where we were going because we were whitewashing in. I'm not sure. But I just remember the, the room went silent because this area had a reputation, right? Yep. And and it was just like, well, I guess this is where we're going to start. You know, we're we're going to govern wherever it's at. I didn't know where it was at. Um, and then the kind of fu- funny thing was is throughout that day when other elders were asking us where we were going, and we would we would say, oh, we're going to govern. Again, they would just be silent, and I'm like, oh, what's going on? Like, what what's wrong with this area? So we we uh, we actually like I said we we whitewashed in. We were given a car. Um, the car was at the mission home, and Elder Clausen he was over a year. He didn't have his license, so I had to drive. So it was just like a culture shock all at once, right? It was just like driving new city. Everything was just coming fast, and we uh, we made it to our, our flat there in Govan. And uh, I mean, that was quite the adventure. I was a little concerned that we may not make it with me driving at first out of Edinburgh, but we made it. That is pretty crazy. We got lost a few times and we got there. And I it seemed like we got there pretty late. I feel like it was like 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night when we arrived. And we walked up the stairs to our flat and I thought it was a joke. So we opened up the door and it looked like somebody had ransacked the whole flat. I mean, it was just like furniture was tipped over. I mean, it was, there was so much trash everywhere that we couldn't even walk in. I mean, it was, yes. it, it was quite the shock. And I asked, I remember looking at Elder Clausen and he's looking at me like, what's going on? Because it was a shock to both of us. But that, that flat was trashed. And I just couldn't believe that any missionary would have, you know, a flat like that. So we stayed up probably for the next three or four hours, just trying to clean up enough, enough stuff to where we could actually go to sleep that night. Goodness. But we got it. We got it cleaned up enough to where we could sleep that night. And uh, the next day we spent the entire day filling up trash bags, doing dishes. I mean, I, I have pictures of it, 
just because it was it was so crazy how how messy it was. And I think Elder Claus and I counted like thirty or forty garbage bags, and we would pile oh them up. A literal we had, tip. Yeah, we had nowhere to put it, so we piled it up outside. And then what we would do is like every garbage day. We would go around and fill up all the neighbors' garbage cans with the garbage, um, just to get rid of it all. Yeah. So our 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 first experience of being in that area was just, like I said, it was it was pretty crazy to think that we had to go through that. But we got that flat cleaned up, and um, the first Sunday we went to church. And it's actually the, the Pollock Ward, not the Govan Ward. It's called the Pollock Ward. And it was, it was probably more of a branch, if anything. But we went to, we had a meeting with the bishopric and the leaders of the ward before we actually, you know, attended church. And uh, I couldn't understand a single thing they were saying. I was just looking around the room and I'm just like, Elder Claus, do you get what these guys are saying? Because I don't understand the word they're saying, not one bit. I was just nodding my head. I think after about 10 minutes, they realized that I didn't know what they were saying. And uh, I think Elder Clawson even struggled understanding them because they had a pretty thick, you know, Glasgow accent. Yeah. And I think that was probably one of my more difficult areas to understand what, what the members were even trying to tell me. Yeah, I think they actually slowed it down for us, right? If they were talking directly to the missionaries, but if they're talking to each other, that makes it even that much more difficult. Just the yeah. speed and and combined with the accent and the vocabulary, everything very very challenging. Yep. But yeah, so Elder Clausen was he was actually the district leader in that area, and I think he was told that a lot of the elders in that district were they were struggling. I mean, they were little depressed i mean it was winter it was dark they were in glasgow and it was kind of like you know i remember him kind of saying hey as, as the district leader's companion we're going to do a lot of exchanges he's like it's going to be our responsibility to help build these guys up and just try and uh you know get them energized again yeah and so we get a lot of exchanges and again it was just kind of like trying to get them all built up and and uh get that district going again. And, you know, I was a young, inexperienced missionary and I really didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how to teach any of the lessons. And uh, like I mentioned before, I, I wished I was more prepared. I, I kind of just thought that, hey, I want to go on a mission. I'll become a missionary and I'll be able to teach, right? That's how it works. Yeah. And what, what a wake up call. <laughs> But Elder Clausen was, he was very patient with me. Um, I think he even mentioned that his trainer put a lot on him pretty quick. And I think he took a different approach with me where he kind of helped ease me into it. And, you know, we, we took door approach a little slower. Um, you know, he, I remember he would do the first couple of days of door approaches and I would ask him questions. And then eventually I'd kind of, figure out how he was doing it, what he was asking and how he was leading the conversations. But um, he did a really good job helping me just kind of get into that, that missionary mode of, of doing door approaches and things like that. But um, 
but yeah, we did a lot of exchanges and that was, that was pretty fun. I think one of my first exchanges was with Elder Wright. Uh, he was from England. I think he was, he was about a year out. Um, but I went into his area and he's like, Hey, you, you look a lot like a, uh, a missionary I knew in the MTC. So Elder Wright actually was supposed to go to Russia. So he went to the MTC in Provo. But something happened and uh, he ended up going to Scotland. He's like, hey, I met an elder um, in the MTC. He looked a lot like you. And I'm like, really? What's his name? And he said this, this, this guy's name. And it happened to be one of my best friends growing up. And I was just like, I can't believe that. And so he was, That's pulling, crazy. Out, he was pulling out pictures and he was pulling out um, uh, recordings of, of, him and, of him and this other elder in the MTC in Provo that was my, one of my best friends. And I remember just thinking like, wow. This was kind of like one of those tender mercies that just came out of nowhere that just made me feel like I could do this as a, as a, as a new missionary, right? Just one of those connections just made you feel good for the day. Yeah. But, and then he also called me Elder Slam. So that started right. That started pretty quick. But Elder Clausen and I, we served for, I want to say, two transfers together. And uh, we had quite the adventure there in Govan. Um, I didn't have any expectations of, you know, the area. So that's kind of all I knew was, was that area. And it was just, you know, dealing with Neds every day and, uh, you know, getting rocks thrown at us and watching them vandalize uh, cars in front of our flat out the window. And, I mean, just that's all I knew. But we were together for, looks like, about two transfers, maybe three. And then my next companion came in was uh, Elder Allen. Okay. And I think, yeah, his, his first name was Darren. Yeah. So he was in the mission home in the office. I think he was there for quite a while. And I remember when he came into the area, he was, I think he was a little disappointed being in Glasgow. I mean, he, he tried to hide it, but, you know, he, uh, I don't think he wanted to be in that area, but, but he put on a smile and, and, uh, you know, he took it like a champ. So, but he was great too. I mean, all my companions were, were so easy to get along with, but, but yeah, Elder Allen, we, we only served together for about six weeks and then. Um, I was eventually transferred from Govan. Um, well, before we go to Mike's transfer area, I wanted to talk about the ward. So they, they actually changed our area's name from Govan to Pollock because Govan was the old branch. Pollock was the current ward. And, and Govan actually had a bad reputation, obviously. So yeah. I remember Bishop McKechnie, he was the bishop of the Pollock Ward. He told the mission president to change the name because it wasn't a good reflection of the area. Rebrand. Yeah, rebrand it. And, I mean, that ward, every ward, there's a few solid members, right? They just kind of hold that, that ward together. And Bishop McKechnie and his family, I mean, they, they held that ward together. He had a couple of boys that uh, one that just got back from the mission. He was, 
I don't know. He, he did so many callings in the ward, probably ward mission leader, uh, gospel principal teacher. He had, he had a younger son that was about to go on a mission and he, you know, same thing. He had so many different callings in that ward, but they, uh, they really held that ward together. And, uh, every week we would go out on, uh, visits either with members or less active members with the bishop and his sons. Um, I mean, he was just working so hard to try and, you know, reactivate and keep people active in that, that area. I just remember that just thinking, man, this guy's, he's working hard. Yeah. And I, and he was, I mean, he was a bit of a stubborn guy. I know a lot of, you know, later on in my mission, I kind of heard a lot of missionaries um, had a hard time with him, but I just have the most respect for him. I mean, for going out and uh, meeting with all these less active members all the time. He just did a great job there. But we also, you know, I had my first dinner appointment in that area. We didn't have very many, but we had one. Um, isn't is a rough, really rough area of town. And it was probably in the council housing, and it was just four, four middle-aged women. And I mean, in the the flat again was just, it was disgusting. I mean, it was just hair everywhere, and just they had animals everywhere. And we ate there, I think, for maybe three or four weeks. And they wanted to feed the missionaries. Um, we went there about for about four four weeks in a row. And I think Elder Kloss and I both were just like, we can't go back. I mean, one, it was just like. Trying to eat that food every week was it was tough, but it also just wasn't safe. I I mean Bishop he told us we weren't allowed to go in that area anymore either. So we we had to break the news to them that we couldn't go there anymore, and I know they weren't too happy about that. But secretly, I think Elder Claus and I were both pretty happy we weren't going back to have to try and eat that food in that flat again. But yeah, so after after the Govan area, we uh, I was transferred. Um, let's see here, I got some, a few notes. Transferred to Aloha, and uh, my companion was Elder Bird. And again, we were whitewashing in, and like I mentioned, I mean, I had really no expectations of what the area was going to be like because all I knew was was Govan. Yeah. And, Aloha was about the exact opposite, right? It was just, it was next to Sterling, just a beautiful area. You had the Sterling Castle right there. Um, I mean, almost exact opposite. And Elder Bird and I, we, we uh, whitewashed into that area. And that, that flat, I think, was a sister flat before we whitewashed in. And it was spotless. It was spotless. And I, I was so excited that we weren't going to spend weeks cleaning it again. And... I was probably a bit of a germaphobe. I mean, it, you know, especially coming new into the mission, but I just remember that flat was already clean and Elder Bird. We could just kind of get right to work. And, you know, we didn't have a teaching pool or anything because we whitewashed in, but uh, we got along really well. And he just had a way of talking with, with everybody. I mean, we, we could be anywhere and it was just so fluid for him just to talk with, with anybody. And, uh, that ward too. I mean, that ward was was strong. There was a lot of good members in that ward. Um, the Sterling elders were in our ward, and I think at that time when we first came into the area, um, Elder Jump 
and I want to say Elder Rhodes. I think they were the companionship. Sounds right. And, and we just had a blast together. I mean, seeing them at church every week just kind of boosted your spirits, right? I mean, it was it, it was tough enough, you know, chapping doors all day and being turned down and having a few investigators and not teaching many lessons, but to have other elders nearby just really lifted your spirits. And that award was fantastic. We had, I think the state president, he was in that award. Um, let's see, I got a few notes over here. I want to say um, Elder Care. I think he was from that ward. I think Care family. Right. Yeah. So we got to see them quite often. Um, there was just so many good members there. There was uh, the Banks. The Banks family. They were a very active family. And they lived out kind of in the middle of nowhere. And they had us out for dinner one time us and the Sterling elders and brother Banks, if you, if you saw him, he just, he looked like Porter Rockwell. I mean, he had just long hair, big beard, and he was just the nicest guy. And it was just one of those, one of the first families that I've met as a missionary. And it just kind of like felt kind of felt normal. Right. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was just great to have, good members, you know, that, that many members that actually fed you and took care of you and kind of just, you know, help you, help to keep you in your missionary work. But, you know, Elder Bird and I, we, we chapped a lot of doors. Um, we did find uh, a young man that was baptized later on. Um, he was fairly young. He was probably 17 or 18, uh, maybe 18 or 19 years old. And we taught him every week while we were there. And I, I don't remember who actually baptized him. It happened, happened several, several months later, but he did, he did eventually get baptized. And that was, that was one of my few investigators. I can say that we actually chapped on his door and actually led to a baptism. Um, so that was, that was a great experience there. But that, I mean, that, again, that, that area was a lot of fun. Um, we played basketball every week um, with, uh, you know, whoever we get to play. A lot of the local guys would show up. And Elder Jump and I think Elder Rhodes, they had quite the, I don't know, they had quite the crew of, of uh, locals that would come out and play basketball every week on their P-Day. And they would always try and turn that into, you know, conversations and, and lessons. Yeah, I think I was in... I think I was in Falkirk at that time and went and played with you guys at least once. That court, like basically under the the castle there. Yeah, under Wallace Monument cool. right there. Yeah. yeah, that was a blast. So, yeah, we were – So I, I was there for two transfers with Elder Bird, and then, uh, you know, I got transferred again from there. Um, let's see here. To Dundee, so the the lift ward, and that was with uh, Elder Jason Canucci. What a blast that was! He was he was from Wales, and we we would say he was Welchanese because I think he was he was Japanese but from Wales, and so he was he was Welchanese, and uh, um, 
he was fairly, I think he had one, I think he spent uh, his first, so he was with Elder Poland, I think Elder Trainer, and Elder Poland left after six weeks. So I was, that was the first time I was a senior companion, you know, moving into that Lyft uh, Dundee ward with Elder Canucci. And we had, I walked into an amazing teaching pool. I mean, it's, it's the first time in my mission that we had investigators that were actually progressing. We had, we had a, a family, um, the Petrie family, that they had like six kids. And we were teaching them every week. And I don't, I don't know which missionaries found them. I don't, I don't think, I don't think Elder Canucci was there when they were, when they were first contacted. Elder Pullen may have been there. Um, but we taught them every week. And I mean, just talk about a, a, a golden investigator. I mean, you, we drove, so they lived quite a ways away from um, where, where our flat was. And we had a car in that area and it was about a 45 minute drive out into the country. They lived in a farmhouse and so we, we taught this family every week. And by the time I left that area, we had baptized uh, the parents and their oldest child. Um, but what a great experience that was. Um, we also had uh, another couple that again, these are all these are all investigators that I just walked into. An elder Kimchi and I just we just taught them. Uh, there was another older couple um, that we we taught every week. Uh, Ray and Janet Haddon, and they were probably in their seventies. And he was he was an optometrist as a career, so he was he was highly educated, which was kind of unheard of. I mean, to, to be teaching some of these people that were just educated and just, you know, had careers. Um, it was a little different than, you know, some of the people we taught in, in, in the, the council housing. Yeah. And so we taught them every week. And I think within about three months, we baptized them as well. And I mean, wow. again, it had nothing to do with, I mean, we, we helped progress them, but I mean, the missionaries that, that found these people and, and, and got them started. I mean, just, just amazing. And especially yeah, just awesome. for, for us to walk in there and just teach them every week. I mean, they were, they were ready to be baptized. Um, we also had another investigator named Maureen Doyle and what a character she was. Um, she had this massive German shepherd and, uh, we would go into her flat every week to teach her and, and that dog was so intimidating. I mean, just barking at the door every time we'd go up to this. And I, I often wonder who was, you know, again, we, we did not find Maureen. Um, but the missionaries who talked to her the first time, I mean, they must have been pretty nervous when they went and chapped on that door. And that big German shepherd was just pouncing on it. Could have been pretty easy for them to, uh, you know, walk away, get yeah. away from that. Dog, but, but they didn't. And so again, we, we taught her every week and we, we were not the, the companionship that baptized her, but I think about six months after I, you know, probably about three or four months after I left the area, um, she wasn't baptized. And, 
you know, just, just another one of those great investigators from that area. It's great. So like I said, that, that ward, again, that, that ward was just nothing like the previous wards. That ward was, was large, uh, a lot of strong members. Um, the Campbell family, Dennis Campbell, I believe his name. He was the, he was the, he was the bishop right before I got there. Then he was released, but he, uh, he took us out every week for lunch and he would just do anything to help the missionaries, um, get investigators and to teach them, you know, teach whoever we could. We also had the, the Keo family, Keo family in the, the lift ward. And I think almost every missionary knows that family. I mean, they were just a blast. No, I completely agree with you, Dev, because the Keos were, I mean, President Keo was so fired up about missionary work. And obviously with Ben getting ready to go on his mission, it made yeah. more opportunities for us to be in their homes and do a lot of fun things with their family. So it was awesome. Yeah. I mean, that, that award was great. Um, I mean, there were so many good families there that just supported the, the missionaries and just, just made our work so much easier. Yeah, agreed. Um, but yeah, Elder Knucci and I, we served together, I think, for, for about four, four and a half months. And then uh, he was transferred out, and I was able to, uh, to train. So um, Elder Kilgore, he was my greenie. And, uh, I mean, we got along great from, from day one. I remember being in the mission home and, uh, thinking, you know what, that's the elder I want to, I want to train. And, uh, sure enough, that's, that's who was called to, to be my, my greenie. It's Elder Kilgore. But we, uh, um, I always wanted to, to play a prank on, on my greenie. I was able to train. And uh, Elder Kilgore's one of his first days in the area, we brought him back. Um, we took him to one of our investigators' house that was, she was going to, you know, Maureen Doyle, she was going to get baptized. And so we had a good relationship with her. We saw her every week. But um, before we left the flat, I told Elder, Elder Kilgore, I said, okay, look, we're going we're gonna to pray over this map. We're going to find a street to go chat doors on. We're going to find us an investigator. And so we, we pulled out this map and we said a prayer and I, you know, I pointed to the street that the spirit was telling me to go on. And I said, this is where we're going to go chat. And he, he didn't know what the plan was, but we went and chapped on this street and we got to Maureen's house and um, Maureen knew what to do. I told, I told the uh, elder Kilgore, I said, Hey, you go knock on this door. And so he went and knocked on the door. And, and again, the German shepherd just pounced on this door. And I think he was a little nervous about dogs. And uh, I said, no, he started walking away. I said, no, you get back up there. I said, we need to, we need to knock on this door. We need to talk to this person. And so he, he goes and knocks on that door again. And Maureen answers the door. And, you know, she is just a very serious, just looking uh, Scottish lady. Um, and she just gives him this look like, what are you doing here? And, I, and, and she just starts going off on, on Elder Kilgore and he starts backing away. And I'm like, you get back up there. You got to, you got to tell her why we're here. <laughs> and, uh, and she starts letting him have it. 
And then, so I start walking a little closer because I was down, down a few steps and I stand back up there and I'm like, I'm like, Hey, we're missionaries from the church. We're here to baptize you. And I remember the look on, on, on Elder Kilgore's face. I mean, he's just like ready to faint. Right. And then I, I couldn't, I couldn't keep it up anymore. So I just walked inside and Colin's just like in shock. Right. He's like, what's, he didn't know what was going on. And I told him to come inside and he still didn't get it. So we had a good laugh about that. I mean, that was, that was, that was my greeny prank that we played on him. And, uh, so, yeah, that was just hilarious. Couldn't have, couldn't have asked for a better, better prank to uh, play on him. But Elder Kilgore was great. I mean, we had, we had so much fun together. He was, uh, I think he'd only been a member for about three years. So him and his family moved to Utah, joined the church. And, you know, he obviously, he, he met with the missionaries. He knew what missionaries were all about. Um, he knew, he, he knew how they acted and he, he knew the lessons and, and to, to be able to serve with him and, and, uh, he could tell people he was a convert to the church, you know, it just opened up so many more doors by being able to say that, you know, he, he was a, a recent convert. Yeah. I'm sure that was but, huge, but he, uh, he had so much energy and ambition to, to baptize and he came out of the MTC with, uh, the newer MTC president, not the one that, that we had Zach and yeah. they were taught, they were, they were, they were preached pretty hard that if you taught, you know, if you stopped so many people and you taught so many lessons, you were, you were going to get so many baptisms. And it was just like, it was all about the numbers and it was just pounded ingrained into his head that, you know, we got to get these numbers. And I didn't want to be the, the, the training companion that was just like, elder, that's not how it works. You know? <laughs> like, like I can tell you, I've chapped on thousands of doors and, you know, we didn't get that many lessons and that many investigators out of it. You know, I don't want to break the news to him. And we went on for about a week or two, just, just him, just thinking that these numbers would hit these goals. And, uh, then he realized that it wasn't about the numbers. And I remember he was pretty frustrated when he learned that it wasn't quite that easy to, to get the investigators and to get the baptisms he wanted. But so it was, you know, it was quite the experience and, and, uh, you know, we had a lot of fun together. We had a couple other elders in the ward that moved in, uh, elder, uh, Loganberg. And I think he trained as well. Uh, other other Bouton, I think was, Bouton. was his greenie. Yeah, yeah. So we uh, we got to be pretty good friends with them. You know, serving in the same ward, and, and our flats were pretty close, and so we were able to go on quite a few exchanges together. And um, we had a really good time. But um, so I was there in that lift ward for six months, and it and again out of this was my third area and it felt like home. I mean, it was, it was a lot better than being in Glasgow, my first area. And, uh, <laughs> I, I, I really did not want to leave the area. 
But at six months, I was transferred out. Um, I went to Kirkati and Elder Kilgore, he ended up with uh, Elder Aurelio. I think that's who he, he served with. Um, Elder Kilgore and I, we only served for six weeks together. It, it wasn't very long. And uh, I think it was a pretty big change for Elder Kilgore to, to go from serving with me to Elder Aurelio. Um, <laughs> I think he took a big change. Yeah, I think he took charge pretty quick. And uh, I think I think uh, Colin was humbled pretty pretty fast serving with him. But I, I went to Kirkati. Um, I served with Elder Smith, so Garrett Smith. Yeah. And we whitewashed into the area. So that was my third time already whitewashing into an area. And uh, I can't say that's the greatest experience. Going into a new area where you and your companion don't know the members, don't know the area. Um, I mean, it, it can be beneficial just because you have no expectations or, you know, you're just open to, to everything in the area. But um, that was a challenge, you know, another, another whitewash. And again, the flat that the elders left for us was pretty in bad shape. And so... You know, the, typ the typical, you know, dishes in the sink and just garbage everywhere. So, again, we had to we had to clean the flat up and get it organized again. And and uh, I don't think I don't think Garrett was out very long. Um, I don't know where he served before that, but, um, you know, like like a lot of the areas and a lot of the experiences, I don't think he had a lot of uh experience teaching yet and he was he was very you know very determined to make this area successful and we went into that area just you know trying to find investigators to teach chapped a lot of doors and uh we did have another uh group of missionaries in our ward again which which was fantastic i think it was the, the glenn rothis area that sound right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I think it was Elder Patented, Stuart Patented. Yeah, that's right. And that was pretty fun because I had the chance of serving quite a bit with his brother. Is it, is it Chris Patented? Yeah, that's yep. right. So Chris Patented, he served quite a bit around me in some of my areas, and I got to know him pretty well. And so when I found out it was his brother, you know, in the same, you know, same area. And that was, that was pretty fun. I think he, he was with Elder Maddock at the time. So we had Elder Patton and Elder Maddock in, they were a companionship and they were in Glen Rothis. And their flat, their flat wasn't ready yet. So they actually, I think they stayed with us for a few weeks before we got their flat ready. And I think this might be the same flat that I heard in that other podcast. It had some dodgy pictures on the walls and some dodgy books. Yeah, I found that flat for him. Yeah, I, I remember one, one time I, I was uh, on exchanges and I was in that flat and I was sleeping on the floor. I don't know why, but I was sleeping on the floor in one of the rooms and there was a bookcase there. And I look over and just all of these inappropriate books and I'm just like... 
we got to do something about this. So I think the next, I think the next day we gathered up all the books and we put them up in the attic or something. I don't know. I tried to get them out of sight, but, um, but yeah, that we had, we had a good time. That ward, that ward was good too. The, the Kakati ward. Um, there was a lot of good missionaries there. And, um, that, that area. So I was actually the district leader in that area. And that was pretty overwhelming to be a district leader. Um, I didn't think I was ready for it. Um, it just, it definitely forced me out of my comfort zone and to try and be a district leader over missionaries that probably had more knowledge of the gospel than I did at the time. And I mean, that was, that was pretty, pretty intimidating, but the part I liked about it the most was going on exchanges, getting to know other missionaries and just caring about them, I felt like was one of the biggest blessings of being a district leader. Um, you know, you dealt with a lot of companionships that were having a, their struggles, but getting to know them and trying to help them through through their issues. I mean, it was just, you know, maybe just because it just added more to your day than just chatting doors, but but feeling like you needed to take care of other missionaries or be there for them, it just. Um, it was a blessing. Agreed. But, but yeah, so Elder uh, Smith and I, we were together for six weeks in that area. Um, we were, we got transferred out. I think he went into the office afterwards. He had, a, he had some health problems that he was trying to figure out. And so I think they took him to the office to help monitor that and just try and help him get you know, figure a few things out. Um, and then I went down to um, Kill Winning. Wow. Is that right? Let's see. I went from Kirkati to Kill Winning. And uh, I was not too excited about that transfer. Um, you know, we were in Kirkati for just two transfers together. And Kill Winning got me closer to Glasgow. And I thought for sure, if I get closer to Glasgow, we'll never get out again. And, uh, <laughs> you know, as much as I appreciated the experiences I had from my first area, it's like after, after seeing what else was out there, I, I just didn't want to go back to that area. Right. So, but kill, but, so, but kill winning was not, it was not what, um, it was not bad. Kill winning was a great area. Um, it was on the other side of the coast from Kirkati. And I remember it was summertime and it was just, the weather was fantastic down there. It almost felt like a vacation. We were right on the coast. It was warm, you know, and I was serving with Elder McLean from Arizona. Yeah. I don't know if you've had him on yet or not. He's been on. But uh, he was a fairly new uh, missionary when I got down there and, uh, you know, again, we just got along great. I mean, he, he was eager to work and it was just like, they had a great teaching pool already set up and he knew the members really well. I think he'd already been there for like four months. And so he knew the members really well. And, um, I was a ditch leader again in that area. And it really allowed me to focus more on the district. And he kind of took care of scheduling the appointments. He, he took lead on everything. 
And uh, it was, I mean, it was great. It took a lot of pressure off of me having to do everything. I mean, he really stepped up and just, just kind of led. I mean, he just, he was a great missionary. And yeah, so we, we were there. I was there for six weeks with Elder McLean. And when I got the call that I was going to be transferred after six weeks, I think we were both pretty upset just because we were getting along so well. And I don't think Elder McLean thought that he was going to stay again. I think he thought he was going to go because he'd already been there for, it was his first area. He was already kind of there for six months. And so I, I think he was a little disappointed that I was already leaving and that he was staying again. But um, I was, I was called back up to Dundee. I was excited. Um, I already spent six months in the lift ward and now I was going back to the, the Bingham ward at Dundee. And it just felt like I was going home. I mean, I was, I was pretty excited to go back. And my first companion there um, was Elder Howe, Trevin Howe. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I, I didn't know, I didn't know Elder Howe that well, but I knew he was a, a hardworking missionary and he had been zone leader for quite a while in that area, I believe. I think he served with Elder Fish or maybe Elder Rasmussen. I don't remember, but they were just, you know, fantastic uh, elders in that area. So I was pretty excited to get into the Bingham Ward and to serve with Elder Hal. And Elder Hal, I mean, we just had a blast. He, I think, I, I think you had mentioned at one time he had that Gumby, that Gumby guy. <laughs> he was carrying around. You took the thought right out of my my mind, Devin. That's yeah. amazing. Every every picture we took, um, the Gumby had to be placed somewhere in the picture. <laughs> so whether it was like in somebody's suit coat sticking out or on somebody's shoulder, that Gumby was in every picture. And I I don't know why he did it. I don't know where it came from, but we just did. It, it was very unique to Trevin. That's just who he was. It showed a lot of his personality. That you know, photos are for serious moments. But I, I remember looking at some pictures where, as zone leaders, and I think it was when he was an assistant. You know, you take the pictures in front of the fireplace hearth at the mission home. Yeah, he's he's sitting next to President Frederick or something, and he's got the Gumby just sticking out of his coat pocket or his his suit pocket, just holding it like his lapel. And I was like, that's, yeah. that's Trevin to a T right there. It's really, it, it was so fun. Yeah. No, I, again, it was just serving with him was, was fantastic. I mean, he had, he had the greatest just personality. He could talk with anybody. Um, very dedicated to, to just working hard. And he took a lot of the pressure off my shoulders as far as just like, I felt like we were just, we were both working hard together. None of us, not one of us was pulling the weight more than the other. It was just how a companionship should be, right? Yeah. And, you know, we had a good teaching pool. Um, yeah, I mean, he, it was, it was fun to serve with him. Um, we had, we had another companionship in that Bingham Ward too. Um, I don't remember who it was, but we had that, that ward started to get more and more um, missionaries. They started to flood the Dundee wards with more missionaries. 
And so while I was there, it went from just kind of us being in the ward to having a second companionship, a third companionship. And I think by the time I left the area, there was eight missionaries in the ward. Wow. And uh, I mean, again, when, when you're serving around other missionaries, I mean, just, it just lifts your spirits, right? You got to see them every Sunday. Um, but but Elder Howe, like I said, he I learned a lot from him. Um, he had a lot of patience, a lot of patience. And I remember serving with him as a zone leader and just how many different issues we had to deal with, whether it was missionaries disappearing and you had to go figure out where they went. <laughs> you know, we'd get phone calls from, from elders being like, I can't find my companion. And they would disappear for the entire okay. day. Um, oh God. You know, just, just doing different things and, and his patience and his love just, just for the missionaries was fantastic. Um, there was, there was one experience. I remember we were at a, a zone activity and we used to do those big Dundee zone activities where we'd get all the missionaries there and we'd play all different games and we would, you know, we would bring food and, and, uh, this was shortly after um, anything that represented a, a gun was outlawed, right? It was it was banned from the mission. <laughs> For good reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the mission shootout. So this 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 was this activity was right after that that all went down. And we showed up to the chapel and this elder pulled out a squirt gun, you know, which was against the rules, right? Yeah. He pulled the squirt gun out, and Elder Hoppus looks at him like, Elder, you can't have that. You can't have that squirt gun. That's that's against the mission rules, you know. And this elder got pretty defensive. He's like, What do you mean? It's just a squirt gun. It's not gonna cause any problem. And he's like, Look, listen, you know what happened. President said you can't have it, you know, just just put it away. <laughs> and so he looked at the squirt gun and he just he looked at Elder Hal and he just turned it or he just turned that squirt gun to Elder Hal and squirted him right in the chest, you know? And, and Elder oh Hal just took it and he just looked at him like, I wish I could say something to you, but I'm not going to, you know, it just, I mean, he just kept his cool and, and that elder put, put his squirt gun away. But it was just one of those silly things where it's like, you know, was it a big deal? Probably not, but we were, we were missionaries trying to follow the rules, right? That's right. Yep. So that was just one of my memories of being with Elder Hal and his his patience that he had for everybody. But so yeah, he he got transferred. We served together for six weeks. He got transferred out. I think he went uh, to AP. Yep. Right after that, and uh, I kept bugging him. I remember the whole six weeks. I kept bugging him like, hey. You're going to go away, Pete. And he didn't like that. He didn't like me bugging about that. <laughs> and so, so he started this rumor with all the all the missionaries in the district that I was going AP. He started telling everybody this, and and the missionaries were calling me up and saying, "Hey, I hear you're going AP." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> and so, when when calls came, you know, and I think with the APs, I think they he went to the mission home. I want to say like four or five days before the transfer. They wanted him there. 
So word got out pretty quick after I was transferred to go, uh, I think, spend a, spend a week with some different elders. But he, he got a pretty, pretty good kick out of starting that rumor about me. <laughs> the, fact, the fact that anybody would believe that rumor was, was pretty, pretty uh, funny, I thought. So, so Elder Staten, he came into the area with me. He was from England somewhere. I think what was his first name? David. David Staten. Yep. Um, I mean, which what a cool guy. I mean, he he uh I don't know how to explain him. I mean, he just he just he just was cool, right? If you ever served around him, he just you know he, he just he just wanted a missionary that everybody wanted to be like. And uh so I had to serve with him for a while. And again, at the same time, more missionaries were coming into our ward, into our area. And we had a lot of sister missionaries. I think we had maybe two or three sister missionary companionships in that ward. Wow. And one of them was teaching a less active member. Um, it was over by St. Andrews. I don't remember. It was somewhere over by St. Andrews. The Cooper so, area? Cooper area. Yep, that's it. And I think at the time it was Sister Kenny and maybe Sister Kemp. Yeah. I mean, there was there was so many sister missionaries that served together. And, but I think it was them. And uh, every week we would go and do these uh, visits with them. Um, just less act. I mean, she... It was a family where the wife was a member, husband was not. Their their oldest child was eleven years old, and she was coming back to church. And we wanted to get you know their kid baptized, and so we had to teach them the missionary lessons. And um, I think her name was Jackie Wright, but she had a sister that was active in Edinburgh, and so there was kind of a connection there. But so every week we would teach we would teach them. Uh, different stories out of the Book of Mormon and things like that. And the Citra missionaries came up with this. So the, so the boys were kind of rambunctious, hard to hard to teach a lesson. Uh, I mean, they just wanted to run around, right? They didn't want to listen to the missionaries. And so they would come up with ways to make it more entertaining for them. So they got this idea that we would dress up as characters out of the Book of Mormon and we would role play the stories with them. <laughs> So, so yeah. every week we were assigned a role to play in this in this uh, discussion, and we were wearing headbands and we had props. And I mean, the sister missionaries just worked so hard, you know, to, to help these these um, these boys uh, decide to be baptized. And I, I think they did eventually. But I mean, I just remember what a wonderful time we had with them and. And having the sister missionaries around just brought a different perspective to missionary work. Yeah, agreed. But I think the other companionships, I made a few notes, but I think other companionships they had, let's see here. I think it was Sister Lewis, Sister McFarlane, Georgieva, um, Sister Wellington. I'm sure I'm missing somebody, but it feels like we had all the sister missionaries at one point uh, in that zone. And uh, 
you know, there were a lot of them were in that ward, that Bingham ward. Mm -hmm. And then some of the members in that ward, aren't you guys ever heard of the, the Sneeze? The Sneeze were in that ward, the great family, Bishop Snee. Yeah. He had some boys that were, I think one of them just got back from a mission and a few others that were getting ready for, for a mission. Yeah. Um, but that area, again, the, that ward was just, it felt like home. Just fantastic members there. So I, I was there for six months. Um, and then we're coming up to going home. I mean, we had six weeks left and then we were going home. So it was the end of 2005? 2006. Right? 2006. 2006. Um, so last, last transfer, um, I remember, you know, at that point it was president Frederick, uh, that was, that was there at that time. Yep. And the previous interview, I remember him asking me, where do you want to go? Like you got six weeks left, you know, is there anywhere you want to go? And I'm like, well, where do you, where do you want me to go? You know, what do you think president? At that point it was just like, you know, you had, you had all the faith in the world in, in the president, right? It was just like where, wherever they wanted you to go, you're willing to go. <laughs> I already know and, what you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, so we chatted for a bit, and, and I wanted to know where, where he thought I should rock, be my last six weeks. And he's like, well, I think I either want to keep you here or I want you to train again. And I'm like, I can do either of those. That sounds pretty good. I, I can do either of those. And um, transfers come, and uh, I'm going to Edinburgh, not to train. So I, I, I didn't, I didn't see it coming. I was, I was a little disappointed because you know I was in that Bingham Ward for six months. We had six weeks left of our mission. It was around Christmas time, you know. I felt like we had, we had everything set up. So it was, I was very disappointed. I was getting moved right before I was going home. Um, but it ended up being really good. Uh, served with Elder Tomlinson in the Leith, Leith area there in, in Edinburgh. Yeah. And I had not served in Edinburgh before, so that was no experience for me. And there was like 16 missionaries in that ward. So going to church was just, it was crazy. There were so many missionaries, all the office elders and, um, it definitely had a different feeling because you weren't like the only missionaries. Um, we were, we were at that point, we were trying to do a lot of member missionary work. And a lot of the members were already spoken for from the other missionaries in the ward. <laughs> a, the APs had, had, had their selection of members. The zone leaders had their selection of members and the, uh, the office elders, they had some of their members already. And I remember just being with Elder Tomlinson. I'm like, so who do you guys have? I was near the area. He'd been there for quite a while. I'm like, so who's our member? She's like, we don't really have any. <laughs> I think it was, it was just like we, yeah, it was just like we were, we were, we were the forgotten missionaries in the ward. And uh, I mean, it's a, it's a totally different experience. And so we, again, it was around Christmas time. And, you know, we, I think all we did was chap doors and we tried to do some member missionary work, but again, all, all the solid members, they were spoken for. 
And there was, this is kind of funny, but there was, there was one member in that ward that was really solid. And she, her sister was the member up in Dundee with the sisters that I had been um, helping them teach. Yeah. And I think she called down to her sister in Edinburgh and said, Hey, other fishers down there. I want you to invite them over for, for dinner one night, you know? And, and again, it, it wasn't our members that we were supposed to be visiting. And Elder Tomlinson was like, that's not our members. And I'm like, I don't care. They invite us to dinner. We're going to go. Like we, we, <laughs> they would pass, they would pass around the, uh, the dinner schedule every, every Sunday in Edinburgh Ward. And it was like every companionship on there had like six dinners. It seemed like, and then Elder Tomlinson and I had like nothing. <laughs> it's so. So when, when, when she called and invited us to dinner, I'm like, we're taking it. We're going, you know? So we ended up going over there and uh, I think it was the AP's member, you know, and they caught wind of it that we were over there and they called us up and they were asking all these questions. Like, why are you over there? And I'm like, I'm like, guys, we're just here to have dinner. You know what I mean? Like, we're not taking your members away from you, but I just remember it was just, it was just hilarious the way that they reacted to Elder Thompson and I going over there for dinner. And it was one of the few dinner appointments we ever had while, while we were there. But there was, there was a lot of young missionaries in that area. Um, Chris Frainer. Yeah. Uh, he was a young missionary. He was in that area. And he served with, I think it was, it was the other Elder Smith, I believe. Mm-hmm. I remember his first name. To Jesse, I feel like he was from England. I don't, I don't remember his name, but um, we'll figure it out. But yeah, I mean, being in, in Edinburgh and it was around Christmas time, and it was just like there were a lot of missionaries there. We had a lot of fun together. Um, we were kind of the two companionships that didn't get a lot of members to go visit, and so we ended up spending more time in the evenings together, having our own dinners together, and. Uh, I mean, it was, it was a good experience for sure. Yeah, that had to be so tough. I mean, I didn't serve in Edinburgh and Jack, Jack barely served in Edinburgh as far as the zone, right? Yeah, the Perry. But man, like, I can't even imagine what that experience would be like being in a ward that's just overly saturated with missionaries to the point where you're having to say who's your members. Like that just, that doesn't, yeah. that sounds like a foreign world to me and the experiences that I had in other wards. So I'm glad I didn't have to experience that. Yeah. I mean, it, it definitely was interesting. And honestly, I, I wasn't ready to come home, but that experience at the end kind of was like, okay, I guess I'm ready to go home. <laughs> like this is kind of like, it's kind of like my way of getting like worked out of the mission. Like, yeah, you know, it just felt like okay. Now I'm now I'm ready, you know. And uh, again, the, the bishop in the Edinburgh ward was great. Um, he was a younger guy, and his his dad, I feel like, was in the bishopric in another ward that I served in. And uh, he talked to me a few times, and I mean, he he made a point to recognize all the elders in the ward. Um, he recognized it, but. But I, I definitely felt bad for Elder Tomlinson because he'd been there for a while. And I think 
most of his previous companions were were his his last companions. So he trunked out several missionaries, including myself. Yeah, and uh, that. that's that's got to make you a little homesick, you know. Um, I mean those those last six weeks, it's always tough to stay focused, and I. I'm sure some missionaries did, but others, they were done, right? So, you know, for Elder Thompson to have to experience that with so many missionaries, and that must have been pretty tough for him. So I, I remember remember trying to, to, to still work hard with him and, and you know, uh, make it look like we weren't, you know, weren't giving up towards the end there. But um, I went home and he went, you know, he went on to a different area. So he got a got a new experience after that but hmm. crazy well i know that i was late in arriving to the podcast tonight but i just wanted to re reflect with you devin on how we met i mean it, do you, I, I don't i don't know how we got connected other than i think uh so my aunt and uncle live in your stake i think is the and they yeah. caught wind that someone else was going to Scotland at the same time and they arranged a meetup. And I remember it was kind of an awkward exchange because it's like, Hey, nice to meet you. Cool. See you later. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It was, it was definitely nice to have a familiar face when yeah. we got to the airport and it was, it was yourself and me and Spencer Streeter. And we yep. were just like, all right, let's uh, let's go on an adventure together for two years, which is kind of how it all started. It was pretty crazy. Yeah, I kind of mentioned that in the beginning that we were able to meet each other before our mission. And I said the same thing. I'm like, it was kind of an awkward, like, well, we're both going to the same mission. You know, that's, that's pretty cool. But um, I remember when we got when I got to the airport, uh, we flew straight out. You know, I remember seeing you there and, and Elder Streeter there. And just the fact that we had met before, I mean, it was a little comforting. Yeah, um, agreed. And and we didn't talk about the MTC because we wanted to wait for you to come on. But yeah, um, I remember that that plane ride to the MTC. It seemed like it lasted for days. I well, mean, that, it, I I still look back, and we've talked to so many people who took the flight to like Chicago or Atlanta, and then had the flight over over the pond. And we went to Dallas, if you remember. Yeah. And then we flew from Texas to Manchester. I mean, that, that's a long flight in in any semblance. Yeah. It was it was just. Uh, I feel like not my favorite. I feel like we missed one of our flights too. We had a connecting flight somewhere. I think you're right. I mean, I think it was though. It had to have been that flight from Dallas because we flew from Salt Lake we and. Yeah, we missed it, and it, it, we had to catch a different flight. And by the time we got to the MTC, I feel like we were like some of the last missionaries there. We came in way late, and I was exhausted. I don't know how you felt, but I was just like, I mean, we, we landed, and culture shock, and jet lag, and I couldn't even think straight. Yeah. I mean, it was just... It was wild. And as soon as we as soon as we got to the MTC, I remember whoever picked us up mentioned they were waiting for us to, you know, they knew we were late. As soon as we got there, I think we were thrown right into like a devotional or something. 
And and at that point, you know, we hadn't slept for 24 hours. It felt like. Oh, easy. And, yeah. Easy. I mean, the, the entire MTC experience for me was a blur. Agreed. So, I couldn't, so I, true. I couldn't sleep at night because my, my, uh, you know, the jet lag and the time difference threw me off. Mm-hmm. And I remember like being face to face with me, with one of the instructors trying to teach a lesson and I was just falling asleep. And then he would kind of just nod me like elder elder. And I'm like, what, what just happened? What just happened? Oh man. So I mean, no, I mean, it's nice to talk to someone who had that same experience because the MTC was such a fog that I, yeah. think, I think the thing I remember is we got picked up at the airport. They put us in the minibus and took us to the MTC. And I remember we had um, initial interviews with President Bodain. And I, I still faintly remember this, but he asked me at that point, he's like, I'd like you to be the district leader. And I'm like, okay, what does that mean? You know, because yeah. first and foremost, I don't know what that what that entails. Two, I can barely understand why we're talking about this right now because I'd like to be in bed. And I think you're right. We went to that devotional and Sister Bodain said to us, all right, for you Americans, um, I'm going to guarantee that you're going to wake up at three o'clock in the morning and be wide awake. <laughs> I remember shaking my head like, you give me a pillow, I, I probably won't wake up for a few days. And three o'clock came around and I was wide awake and I could I could not go back to sleep. I think I laid in my on my bottom bunk bed in, uh, in the MTC just stirring for the next couple of hours like, I really want to be sleeping. Why am I awake? It was so bad. Yeah. Yeah, and if you remember, we only had we had two small districts in the MTC, mm-hmm. like 15 of us. Yeah. I mean, at most, cause you had like eight of us that were going to Scotland and then um, there was a handful of like Swiss German missionaries that were going. Yeah. And then uh, the others were going to Leeds and Manchester, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it was, it was a small group. And I, you know, I wish I could have gone back like, an experienced MTC, not so tired and in a culture shock. Um, because again, it was just, it was so hard to, to learn in that environment when it was just like, you couldn't even stay awake during the day. Yeah. It'd feed you and then tell you to go sit in a classroom for the next five hours until the next meal. And that was, that was really, really challenging. Yeah. But El- Elder Barber was my MTC companion. That's and, right. Uh, I remember, I mean, he was from England and his his accent, I didn't think was very thick at the time, but I still couldn't understand him. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I remember how many times I told him, like, dude, you got you to gotta slow down. I don't know what you just said. <laughs> but we got along great. I mean, it was, you know he would ask me questions about America and, and just, I'd ask him questions about in England and, you know, we just, we got along really well in the MTC together. Yeah. No, you, uh, that it was a, you guys were a fun companionship. I, I love Elder Barber. He's one of my favorite people in this world. So you definitely got a good one there. 
Yeah, I never got to serve around them again in the mission. I mean, there was a few missionaries that they were always in a different zone, and I he was one of the few I I never saw on the mission. Um, and then there was other missionaries that even though I didn't serve with, it's like I was always serving around them, or you know, it seemed like I was on exchanges all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking about it, and uh, Craig Rasmussen. He's one of those those missionaries that we didn't serve together, but it felt like we did because I, I think we had exchanges almost every transfer of my mission. It was just like whether he was district leader or zone leader or something, it's like we always had these exchanges. And so I got to serve quite a bit of time around him. And and again, it was we were never actually companions, but yeah, he was just always around. No. I I agree. I mean, I think uh of the missionaries that I spent the most time with from our MTC group, I had the the fortune of being in the same ward with Elder Pilkington for four and a half months. I know it was longer than that. It was six months. Now I think about it. And the last six weeks of that uh, Elder Barber was his companion. So it was a lot of fun to be around both of them. And then the other person that I spent the most time around was, was Elder Loganberg. You know, he yeah. was, he was in Dundee when I was, in uh, Montrose. And then again, when I was in Hamilton, I think he was in uh, like Bathgate uh, down in Glasgow. So it was, it was really fun just to have those uh, camaraderies and people that we're familiar with. And speaking of Loganberg, do you remember our, uh, our one year, um, our shirt burning that we did up in Montrose? You remember that sleepover we did? Oh, I remember it. I remember it because I'm pretty sure Loganberg was the district leader at the time. I, I think he was. I think he was. So I, you know, we were in the same war and I thought, well, if he says it's okay, it must be okay to do. <laughs> oh man. We went and got like Schlur and we all had our Dundee, um, the zone hoodies that we had made or that uh, Elder Clausen and Elder Allen had made, I think. And uh, man, that was, that was a fun night. we, we partied like it was our year mark. It was fun. We burned a few shirts. I remember that. And I didn't even know that was a thing, but I'm pretty sure you told me to bring a shirt to burn. Yeah. I mean, I don't remember who told me, but it was like burn a tie at six months, a shirt at a year, like a pair of trousers at uh, 18 months. And you're supposed to, be, supposed to burn a suit like right before you go home. But I, yeah. can, I can tell you, I, I did three of those four things on my mission yeah i didn't have a suit to burn it was i needed every suit i had but (laughs) but i you know i I mentioned earlier that i served around other loganberg and uh you know he was in our was in our group right yeah and he had a lot of energy too i mean he was just always happy just talkative and he was he was just the nicest guy right and I remember just being like, is this guy for real? Like, is he really this nice all the time? Like, is he just outgoing all the time? <laughs> and so I, I had, I was, I was a little, little hesitant about like opening up to him being like, okay, is he, you know, is this really who he is? But when I got to serve with him in the lift war, I mean, I think those barriers came down and I just realized this, this guy is genuine, right? This is, he really cares about everybody, and this is him. Yeah, I really, I really got to know him better, and uh, I mean, 
he's one of those missionaries I really enjoyed surfing around. Yeah, agreed. He knew he knew how to have fun when the time was right to have fun. But when you're in an opportunity to teach or to, you know, try and find an investigator or whatever, he was very, very on point and did exactly what he needed to do. He was he was very a good missionary. Yeah, I mean, he, he was definitely one of those missionaries that just knew the doctrine. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, I wish that was me. I wish I would have been more prepared to where I knew all that stuff. But, um, you know, those missionaries always stand out. The ones that just knew the doctrine, knew the lessons. And eventually I figured it out. And I think, I think because I didn't have as much knowledge as some other missionaries, I may have taught a little simpler because I didn't know all of the, you know, all the deep doctrinal stuff. Yeah. Um, but it, it definitely took me a long time to get the courage to, you know, to teach those lessons, to feel like I was adequate enough to, to be able to teach the gospel. I mean, it, it was no easy task to, to, to teach people you didn't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I know I missed this part too, but did Jack bring up the, the M&M and beatboxing with, with Clausen? We, we brought it up, um, you know, I remember it started in the MTC. In the MTC, somebody said I looked like Eminem, and I think in every area I went to, it kind of followed me around, um, you know, Elder Slim, and That's right. there, was, there, was, there was one night in Govan where these Neds were, were kind of harassing Elder Clausen and I, and one of the Neds is like, you look like Eminem. And uh, Elder Clausen's like, that's his brother. <laughs> and I mean, I we, 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 we were so, we were so exhausted. And like, you know, when you're dealing with Neds all the time, it's just like, I don't know, you, you got to do something, right? And so Elder Clausen went off on how he was my brother and how, you know, we were both from America. So because I was from America, they believed it. Yeah. <laughs> And before I know it, they were asking for signatures and we were, <laughs> Elder Clausen was having me sign pass along cards and hand them to the, the Neds, you know? Oh my gosh. That's so good. But one, of my, I, one of my favorite stories. I mean, what a roller coaster ride though. I mean, you, you have the highest of highs and the lowest of lows in the mission. And you tend to do you tend to find these, these kind of funny, simple things with your companions just to kind of have a little bit of fun. Yeah. And I think every companion, you know, we did something that was kind of strange. You know, I mean, Elder Clausen, he would collect rubber bands. That's every, right. every, every, every door we chapped on, you know, there was probably rubber bands on the ground somewhere and he'd collect it. And by the time we chapped for, I don't know, a month or two, he had this massive rubber band ball that uh, <laughs> he had made. Awesome. So, I mean, just, just so many funny things that you do with your companions to kind of pass the time and just try and, you know, try and keep your spirits up even when people didn't want to, you know, hear the, hear the gospel from you. But right. I do have, I do have one funny story about Lord Clausen though, because I mentioned that he was just full of energy and, uh, I remember one of our first few nights that we were sleeping in our flat together. Um, all of a sudden I hear this elder Fisher, elder Fisher, elder Fisher. And I look over in the dark and there's elder Clausen sitting up in his bed 
And he's like, I bet my duvet is faster than yours. <laughs> what? He was sleep talking. No way. He sleep talked <laughs> all the time. And I had no idea, but I mean, it was like one night we were, he was racing duvets, you know, <laughs> and he would just, he would just start talking to me in the middle of the night. I mean, it was, it, it happened almost every night. And I started, I, I was a pretty light sleeper. So I started sleeping with earplugs every night. <laughs> and I think I kept that up my entire mission. I had these little foam ear pads or, uh, that I would put in my ears every night yeah. because, you know, but yeah, Elder Clausen, he just talked all the time in his sleep and it was just hilarious. I would tell him, I would tell him the next day and he wouldn't believe me. <laughs> we'll have to, we'll have to see if Trent, if Trent listens to this. We'll have to ask if his wife can confirm that this is still something that's happening in their life. That's pretty funny. I, I bet it does. I bet it does. Oh man. That's so good. Mm-hmm. Dude. So Devin, what what memories do you have? I mean, you you told a couple stories, but President Sister Vrains and then the Fredericks after that. Yeah, I mean, President Sister Vrains, well, I mean, they were they were our mission parents, right? I mean, Sister Vrains, I mean, obviously her uh Miss Piggy uh speech that she would give at Zone Conference. Yes. I mean, that was always entertaining. But I mean, whenever you talk with Sister Breen, you just knew that she loved you. I mean, it's just like to see her come in and give you a hug. It was that mission mom, right? And I mean, you couldn't have asked for a a better, you know, mission mom. I mean, she cared. She cared for everyone. Agreed. And uh, whenever you saw her and President Breen's, I mean, you just felt so much better. But. President Greens, I mean, you could never forget his massive bear hugs he would give or his his interviews where it looked like he was staring into your soul. I mean, I, I thought for sure this guy knew everything about me. Every time we had an interview, I'm like, he sees right into my soul and he knows everything. <laughs> yeah, I can I can concur with that. I mean, he just so intimidating at first, but I mean, I don't I assume he did this with every elder, but in, in the interviews, he would sit pretty close to you. Seemed like he would be like just almost your knees are touching. And then like partway, partway through the interview, he would just like slap you on the knee and make some comment to you, you know, and just like wake you up. And you're like, whoa, where'd that come from? You know, or he'd, he, would, he would make a comment about how, oh, this is the famous elder Fisher. You know, he, he always said, this is the famous elder. Yeah. Yep. He liked to he liked to use the word rubbish a lot. Seems like he always say that's rubbish, you know. <laughs> I think I wrote I think I wrote in one of my journals like the like the phrases that President Green's always used. You know, I, I did it. I wrote a few down. He'd always say like, "Hey, good looking," or maybe he would say, uh, <laughs> you know, "I think the way he told everybody is you're going to be a leader someday in this mission." He loved he loved he loved to build you up in those interviews. And uh, I didn't like to talk too much at first with him because I didn't know him. And I didn't really open up very fast. But it, it seems like as time went on, he knew how to pry it out of me and kind of ask me how I was doing. I'd, I'd always say I'm fine, you know. I, I tried not to show too much emotion on my mission. It, it seemed like, 
you know, my, my first area was so difficult as far as just not being what you expected. Um, it felt like I tried not to be overly excited or, or depressed. I tried to just kind of go through the mission, just even kill the whole time. And I don't know if that's really the best way to do it, but, you know, I had a lot of companions that were, you know, up and down a lot and it was exhausting. You know, to, to see him go so high and then the next day just to drop so low. I mean, it was, it was tough to be around. But the President Reigns, he knew how to build you up. Every time you saw him, he, he knew how to find out how you were really doing. And, uh, I mean, he truly cared, again, just about, about the missionaries. Yeah. And uh, it, was, it was pretty tough. When he left, it was pretty tough. I mean, for us that pretty much knew him most of our missions, I mean, you, you kind of wondered you know, how is the mission going to continue without him, right? I mean, you, you knew it was going to go forward without him, but, you know, it just kind of felt like it felt right. Yeah, I agree with that. But, I mean, I, I think you remember this, that, you know, before uh, President Green's left, um, they announced that President Summerhays was going to be our, our yeah, mission president. That's right. And he was from... He was, I don't know if it's from Farmington or Case, but pretty near where I grew up. So I knew him. Yeah. I knew, I knew his, I knew his one son that played golf. So, mm -hmm. you know, for months we were kind of expecting that he was going to be our mission president. And then we found out it wasn't going to be him. It was like, wow. You yeah, know, it was, it was a big surprise. But, you know, it was, it was a change, a change for the mission. I mean, that. You know, a lot of a lot of elders they didn't know what to do. I think when President Green left, but when the Fredericks came in, I mean, I mean, I didn't get to know them too well. I didn't serve around them very much, um, but they were just down to earth, right? They they yeah. wanted they wanted to get involved with missionary work, and they definitely shook things up. I mean, I remember when they came in. And one of our first zone leader conferences, I remember President Frederick was kind of saying, hey, it doesn't matter who the leaders are of the mission. And I think to prove a point, he started shaking things up. I mean, he was, I mean, you might be zone leader one, one transfer, the next transfer you were, you, you weren't. And then you might be trained the next. I mean, he, he shook it up. I remember he, he caused quite the stir with a lot of missionaries because, yeah. you know, they just weren't used to it. Um, but he he meant business he meant business he he wanted baptisms and he wanted the elders to work hard and i remember president breen's um when missionaries make mistakes president breen's he might he might get after them but he was forgiving and he wanted them to stay in the mission right i mean he he wanted them there and i remember president frederick he he didn't want to put up with missionaries that weren't working. Yeah. I mean, when I recall, it's like if you if you weren't if you weren't if you weren't working hard, he wanted to know why why you were still there. And I feel like there was a few missionaries that went home pretty quick after after he came in. And honestly, I you know I, I tried to follow the the mission rules pretty strict and probably a little too strict at times, but I. I admired that, that he wasn't going to put up with missionaries that, that weren't working. 
but I mean, they were just down to earth people. And uh, I did have the opportunity to have dinner with them one time when I was in Edinburgh my last six weeks. They, they felt bad for me when I had a little incident where I had to get uh, some metal shavings removed from my eye. Um, oh, that's right. So for some reason, I had some metal that blown into my eye and I had to go get it taken out. And Sister Frederick found out about it and they invited us over for dinner that week. And again, Elder Thomason and I, we were like, wow, this is this is pretty special. Like we don't we don't get to we don't get invited to, to dinners around here. So um, <laughs> Gosh. I, I think I think Sister Frederick thought I was probably a lot worse off than I was. And they almost looked a little disappointed when they found out that my eye was healed up within a week or so, you know, it wasn't that bad, but um, <laughs> it was the thought that counts, right? They invited us over and we got our dinner. And <laughs> Gosh. But yeah, I mean, it was, like I said, the, the mission president and, and, and their wife, I mean, it was just, you know, they they knew how to how to build you up and and be and be that support system for you on your mission. Yeah, agreed. Well said. Well, Devin, thanks for taking us on that journey. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. We really appreciate awesome. your time just keep rolling on this so anybody else you want to shout out that we can try to get on here um have you had i don't know if you've had trevin Hout on yet i'd love to hear from him working on him shout him out tell him to get his butt on here we'd love to have trevin yeah i'll I'll reach out to him somehow i'll find a way (laughs) sounds good He's usually pretty prompt when uh, I message him on Facebook. So give that a try. Okay. You got well, to help us get in touch with Colin Kilgore too. If you're still in touch with Colin, we'd love to have him on. I'll reach out to him. We, we stayed in touch quite a bit after our mission for the first few years. And then he, he moved off to Texas and we haven't kept in touch as much since then, but Yeah. You could help us with him. Dave Stanton is another one who keeps kicking the can down the road on me. So, you know, you've got some good companions and people you've been around the mission that if you feel so inclined, reach out to them and let them know that we'd love to have them. Yeah, for sure. Good deal. Well, thank you, Devin. Thanks, guys. Love you, brother. Thanks for your time tonight. We'll see you soon. Appreciate it. See ya. All right. Cheerio. Bye.